Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to School with a Professor. We are getting into the National Football League and, of course, the start of the regular season. Scott McLuhan, former general manager of the 49ers, Washington, uh, worked here in Seattle, uh, doing a lot of scouting right now. Although, again, not much travel, which is probably pretty good, but also the ability to uh, you know break down things for uh, all these different people that are friends of his and all that stuff. Scott, welcome to School with the professor thanks for having me john i appreciate it okay so this am i wrong in saying this this season is one of the strangest ones going into it i think we've ever seen because obviously the pandemic affected things last year it affects things this year and there's so many different nuances to to this season yeah, no, yeah, no, I agree with you from a lot of different standpoints. Um, and I, and I think the main one you hit on was the pandemic, of course, and in the off season, you know, last year compared to this year. But I think the number one thing was, was the salary cap, you yeah. know, going down and trying, you know, and with everything going up, as you, we've seen with the market with quarterbacks and stuff like that, um, it's just incredible. And, you know, the guys that, you know, consider the salary cap guys slash the gurus with the money numbers, um, they have a lot of work, and people don't understand how hard that is. And and I think the good teams that you know who have been good and consistent and smart with the cap and understand the cap will really you know progress in a positive manner, not just this year but the next couple of years because of the adjustment in the cap. Of course, it's going to go back up eventually and be really really high. But the last year and this year, I'm telling you that and we'll see it. The, the people that haven't overpaid or have done contracts in a sensible way more so than just back-loading things or you're front-loading, whatever. And they all have their own philosophies, but I think the, the cap's going to be a huge impact in the next couple of years. Well, and that's the thing that's so strange about uh, where things are going right now because you know clearly the cap is going to go up next year because of the new TV contracts. And you know we're seeing bigger deals than even expected. I mean, we're seeing right tackles. Uh, getting $18 million. We're seeing some linebackers getting $19 million. Jamal Adams here in Seattle got $17.5 million as a safety. Uh, Harrison Smith in Minnesota gets $16 million. And so it's like as strange as it is to see how down the cap was because obviously what happened this year is that you know anybody in their 30s that was making over $10 million was somewhat in trouble uh, and you know in many ways got cut, traded, whatever. But now what you're seeing is that uh, you know the numbers are going up because of the anticipation of the bigger contracts because of TV. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the standpoint of the vets because some of the vets, because, of course, you know, certain positions with the young guys, you want to take care of them. You want to show that they're your person. You know, quarterback, slash left tackle, pass rusher, corner, whatever. But also, you got to understand, those veterans, you know, they're in their 30s, early 30s, whatever. They're still good football players. Maybe not the same guy they were, but they can really help you win a championship. You know, and it's not about the two or three blue players, which means top of their position on your team or in the league. It's the red players. It's the mid-range guys, you know, that I think we did a really good job in Seattle with, you know, which I was trying to build was with the 49ers, you know, because that's the heart and soul of your team when it's said and done. Everybody's going to have the superstar. You go, you go figure, you know, anybody can watch a game and say, that guy's really good, that guy had a good game whatsoever. But, it's the moving parts on on the special teams. It's the three or four good special teams guys that make big plays, or it's the backup that has to play two or three weeks in the midseason. You know that that is a vet that gets you through the, the hard you know times with injuries. 
And those are the ones that help you win one or two games when you probably shouldn't, and they're the ones that get you in the playoffs. So it, it, it's tough for the, the veterans I see. It's great for the young guys. It's great for the fans because they get to see long-term deals and players staying the one with one team, which I think is awesome. But also, I mean, it, it's not about just the three or four guys. It's about the 15 to 22 guys if you're going to win a championship. But I'll tell you the other thing, too, is that uh, what continues to happen and it's been now going for many years is that the middle class is just getting wiped out as far as what they can get for money. Yeah. I mean, I counted up, right. you know, when uh, everybody was at like at about 90 uh, players, that there was like 250 guys that made minimum salary. Yeah. No, it's amazing. You know, and the funny thing is, and it's, it's been a long time since it's happened, but I remember when Ron Wolf, and I was with Green Bay when I first started, and one of the reasons he did retire and walk away from it was because free agency was starting. Mm-hmm. He said the sad thing is, is you can't build your team now. You can draft really well, and all of a sudden, when you turn around four years, three, four years down the line, you're losing those players that you drafted that have become part of your family, and be, not because that they uh, they aren't good players, but they're on a good team, and teams on the outside come down and plucking them because they think they're better players than they really are, and paying them much more than they really should pay them. Um, you know, and, and it's part of your agency, but. I'm with you. You know, it's nice when you have kind of even keel throughout, young, middle, and old. And I think you need that because it's such a long season. It's a marathon. You know, it's not a sprint. And you need some veteran leadership. You need the guys in that have been through the good times and bad times and know how to get out of it. And some of these teams, which have a lot of talent and a lot of this younger talent, um, can't get through it. You know, Mm -hmm. now they will in three to four years down the line. But by then, as you're well aware – you know, the coaches are fired, the front office is fired, they're starting over again and again and again. They never get to that point where teams like the Steelers, you know, teams like that who have the history of, you know, stability and with their contracts and not switching every year with their protocol and their philosophies, but they're sticking with it, I think it's really good for the game, but also it hurts the team because they lose certain guys because of that, you know, and it's a new generation. It's going to keep changing as we see with the offenses, defenses, and the mindset of front offices and owners. Um, and you have to you have to change with it, you know. But I'm with you. You know, I'm kind of old school, and I like guys staying with the team. I like guys starting their career and ending their career. I think that's really really cool, and very very seldom you see it nowadays. Very seldom. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, one thing that uh, I notice uh, with the cut down to 53. The thing that's so unusual this year is that, uh, you know, there's so many guys. I mean, you know, like for example, we knew this was going to be a bad draft because of the pandemic, opt-outs, the fact that, uh, you know, the, the draft list was going to be smaller than it's ever been uh, because of the fact that you had so many players going back for super senior seasons. But I was amazed how many sixth and seventh round picks were released or put on waived injured this year and also how many sixth and seventh round picks from last year were on in the same boat i mean it's almost like it's become a five-round draft well i think the thing is john plays into that which as a personnel guy i think is excellent is the fact that the practice squad grew to 16 yeah i think that play, that plays a lot into the mindset of a, of a gm slash personnel director in a, in a head coach and ownership where like listen you know we have the younger guy, you know, or not younger. Yeah, we we have the draft picks. They, we took them in the fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever. We like them. We, we see upside. There's a, you know, we pray. There's, you know, let's not play too much in preseason because we're going to try to get them through waivers and get them on the practice squad. But we can keep that coach once that veteran. He knows the defense. If all of a sudden we need him week three, he can do it. The young guy can't do it yet. Now, the upside on the young guy is great. 
Now, I want to keep him around no matter what, but I need that veteran just because that coach sleeps better at night knowing that Sunday he can call a certain defense and the safety's going to know it right away or be able to adjust on the field, you know, with, with, with the offense changing. You know, so that, that plays into it. But I think a lot of that, honestly, is the fact of the practice squad there and teams are willing to take a chance with that cut because they know it's tough for teams to claim players that 53-man cut because they feel comfortable about the roster they just put together. And every year there's a handful they're picked, there's no doubt about it. But I think, honestly, and I think the truth is last year, like you said, the draft was totally different because I saw some really good players that I thought were good players, and doesn't mean it's right, but go later or free agents. I saw some guys I thought later go earlier, and I think it's because of the lack of information with from the all-star game standpoint, from the combine standpoint, from all the medical standpoint, I think that all played into it, you know. But it's uh, it's unique that I think the practice squad does play into these young guys, and they're hoping to get them through and get them on the practice squad and know they have them going forward. Yeah, because I guess because of the practice squad. I mean, I think one of the things that's so unusual this year is that uh, you know, like everybody likes to find you know some of the undrafted guys and get them on the roster. But by my count, there was only like about a two dozen uh, uh, undrafted players that made 53-man rosters. I mean, a lot of them obviously got on the practice squad, but only about two dozen that got on 53-man rosters. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and you've been through this long enough. I have to the draft to draft, and every year is different. Um, you know, but that is interesting. But, uh, again, I, I think a lot of it played into, you know, the, the, of course, the, the practice squad thing. But I think a lot of people didn't have a really good idea of the player they were getting. You know, they, they, they saw the tape. They talked to the coaches they could talk to. They got the information they possibly could from certain universities about certain players. But, again, I think it was just one of those years where it was more of a crapshoot. And, you know, the way it's looking right now was more people missed than hit, which happens. But it, it was it, I, it's probably a draft we'll never see again where players went. In three or four years from now, we're going to be like, wow, he, he was drafted in the sixth. He's got a second deal. Or he was drafted in the second or third. He's already on his third team. I think that's the kind of draft we had this last year. But I think going forward with the full offseason, all that good stuff, being back to regular for personnel on the road for college-wise, I, I think we'll get back to normal. Do you think uh, league-wide we're back to where we were in 2004, 2005, when the uh, AFC was so dominant compared to the NFC? And, of course, where I say the AFC is that back in two, 2004, I think the uh, AFC in interconference games was, uh, you know, what, uh, 44 and 20. And in the next year, it was 40, uh, 20, 40, uh, 40 and 24. And you're looking at the AFC with the young quarterbacks, the young teams, you know, uh, being so good. Is like, uh, are we seeing a re- resurgence of the AFC coming back and kind of dominating? And as because co- I look at the AFC right now, I can think of 11 or 12 playoff teams, and you look at the NFC and you struggle to get to seven. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, I think it's trends, you know, and for some reason, the way it's been working out these last couple of years, a lot of the young quarterbacks that are stepping to the plate are in the AFC. And, you know, and, and that's, it's not by design, you know, it's not like, okay, the commissioner's saying we're going to help this team or this division or this conference more than that. No, it's not that way at all. It's just the trends and it's just the way it's, you know, the, the ball's rolling right now. Um, I do see the AFC being probably in the next couple of years and not being passed, but going forward, being a favorite to for sure get to the Super Bowl and probably win a Super Bowl going into the season doesn't mean it's going to happen. But I agree with you, and I think it's just it's, it's the luck of the draw that 
those young quarterbacks are falling in the AFC. Yeah, that's the thing that's so unusual this year is that uh, I know in the preseason, and I know this is a strange preseason because nobody played anybody. I mean, I counted up uh, in week three of the preseason, there was 591 guys that didn't play. But the AFC went like 35-9-1 uh, against the NFC. And then, uh, you know, uh, which thirty-five nine and one, which was pretty incredible. And you know what you're looking yeah. at is that this year, in particular, you know, because of the addition of the seventeenth game, all those seventeenth games are in AFC cities. Uh, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And I didn't realize the numbers were over that skewed like that. Again, I'm with you. They didn't play a lot of guys, but it, it, it just. You know, every year when you look at the league, it, there's always patterns that happen, and there's no real answer for them. You know, and there's there's players you think are going to be really good players go on a second deal, and all of a sudden they don't. You know, and they fall off and stuff like that. I think that's what's so unique about the NFL that you know it is a 17 game season now, but it's just so in your face when it starts. It's rolling. You know, I think with basketball, of course, with baseball, you have ups and downs, and you're fine with it, and you see it. You know, but. You know, I, I think with the NFL, that's just, you know, there's certain trends that are unexplainable and like the numbers you're saying. And, and how much is really the preseason? I remember being with teams when I was in San Francisco or, or saying, when I was, you know, Seattle, we got to be better my second time there, that we'd go undefeated every year in the playoffs. We're like, yeah, we'd lose the first three games. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so how much does it really matter or does it not matter? Does, or does it mean you have better twos and threes and they have twos and threes? Mm-hmm. I'm with you this year with the three game playoffs. I don't think anybody, especially the commissioner, saw it going the way it is because it's bad for the fans when you don't see the guys, you know, and not knocking the second, the thirds, and fourth guys, I mean, teamers that are out there busting their tail trying to make the team, but they really want to see at least a quarter of, you know, the starters, the names, the guys they're going to see during the regular season, and that did not happen this year. I'm with you, and that kind of surprised me. I never really thought about beforehand, but it was very, very evident. It got to the point, I'm sure, the, the regular fans didn't even want to watch preseason games. You know Why? You know, or like me, I love it because you get to see the younger guys and who's stepping up and who's, you know, making plays and not making plays whatsoever. But in some of those games, I, I guarantee the regular fan was like, why? I, I, I'd have more fun watching a baseball game, you mm-hmm. know, which not, doesn't happen during the regular season at all, as you're well aware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> so one one thing that's been a trend this off season is how people around the country, analysts and everything else, tend to ignore the Seahawks. I mean, you know, they had, like, for example, a lot of people think league-wide that the Seahawks are going to finish third in the division. Uh, I know that ESPN did a simulation of all the games, and one simulation had them coming out with only five wins. And am I wrong? And it's like, what, what, what are we thinking about here? Because say what you want about the Seahawks. They won 12 games last year. They have Russell Wilson at quarterback. They have a different type of offensive scheme that could work out very well, and yet uh, they've and they've added to the roster as opposed to subtracted. Why, why is Seattle not getting much respect? I think they've been too good for too long, and they're too consistent, and everybody knows that. And as you're well aware, nowadays with social media, with you know, with TV media and all that stuff, they want the news. They want the topic. They want the flash. You know, they want. All of a sudden, the Patriots have a, a struggle year and they haven't had them in a long time. Now they're the talk of the town because they did have the struggle, you know. And I think, you know, it, Pete and John do a, an excellent job with the roster and with, with the media and the whole package of not going out and making these bold statements or having players make these bold statements, you know. But they are a really good team. And, and people that understand the league, especially teams that have to face them, they know exactly what they're walking into. And that's a very good team. Anytime you have Russell behind the center, 
you got a chance to win every game. I mean, there's no doubt about it, and every, everybody knows that. It's just that there's not a lot of flash to the name because they've been so consistent, and they won the, they've won the division. They've been in the playoffs so many years, you know, that it's just like, well, it's kind of old news. Well, of course they're going to be good. Why, why, why keep saying it? Everybody knows that. Let's move on to something like, let's, let's make Cincinnati have some wins, you know. Let's, let's go down and the Jets, you know. they got rookie quarterbacks. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about them winning six games, you know, instead of, oh, Seattle, of course they're going to win ten. Of course they're going to make the playoffs because that's what they do every year. What do you, what do you see happening in the oh. NFC West? I, I I tell you what, it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be excellent. You know, again, like I said, the the, the fact of, of of Seattle, um, no matter what, they're in the running because they have they have the quarterback. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's unique because I think all the teams on any given day can beat not just themselves around the the, the, the uh, division, but any team in the league. I mean, because there's that much talent on each roster. And, you know, now injuries are going to play into it, of course, which stinks and affects the outcome, of course, the overall record. But they're good teams, you know, and you can't really point at one and say, geez, I'd like to play them this week. That's kind of an off week for us. It doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's great. You know, that's what the fans want to see. That's what we want to see. That's, that's, that's good football, and that's parody. And, you know, the more you see that, the more it gives belief that, you know, this is a great game, and any given Sunday, anything can happen. Hey, Scott, it's always great catching up with you. Uh, lots of positive things, a lot of interesting things happening in the National Football League. Continued great success with uh, your scouting operation and all that. And thanks for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. Thank you very much, Tom. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with a Professor. Thank you.